Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Take your recording to the next level with Neural DSP and their unmatched range of guitar and bass amplifier plugins. And right now you can get 30% off all Neural DSP plugins with discount code GUITARNERDS. Achieve an authentic and professional guitar tone at home without the need for mics or cabs. The impulse response loader allows you to move mics around in a virtual 3D environment. And with a range of plugins that cover everything from crystal cleans and shimmering reverbs Right across the crushingly aggressive metal tones, there's something for every type of player. But don't take my word for it, all neural DSP plugins come with a free 14-day trial with no credit card required. Up your plugin game with Neural DSP and Guitar Nerds. Visit neuraldsp.com for more details. Hello and welcome to a new series of The Home Recording Guide. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined by Matt Knight. Hello there. Yes, hello indeed. And in this series, uh, we're going to attempt to... We're going to attempt to make a track, make a song using easily accessible, largely affordable home equipment. And we're going to talk you through kind of every step of the way. Now, to preface this, Matt, like many of you listening, is an accomplished guitarist, but a complete layman when it comes to recording. And until now, this has been something he's left to, you know, producers and studio engineers. But with the world in the state that it's in, the closure of studios and venues and rehearsal spaces, Matt, like many of you, dear listener, is developing his recording skills. And who better than me to guide you through this minefield? So, um... I guess to clarify, in this series, we're going to talk you through a checklist of what you need to make a great recording at home and a broad guide of how to do it. No experience necessary. Um, after we've worked out what uh, what we need, Matt is going to record a basic guitar part um, and we'll step by step turn that guitar part into an entire completely mastered track so each week excluding this week um in this four-part series you'll hear the progress we've made um as well as being guided through the process of how we got there and hopefully by the end of the series matt as well as yourselves will be capable of recording your own track and if you do i would love to hear them and showcase them here on the podcast now then that was a very long spiel that you had to sit through there <laughs> matt at the start of the uh, at the start of this series um but of course i guess before we get started on this little four-parter it would be good to talk about kind of your your experience in recording why it's something that you haven't developed as a as a guitarist i i kind of feel it's it's an essential cornerstone that goes hand in hand and i've kind of always been yeah. equally interested in both sides of the desk but i think i think that's not a standard i think you are you know much like most guitarists and a lot of our listeners um in the it's it's just not something that is it not something that's interested you like no, what i the, think and actually, this leads into something that we were briefly talking about before the podcast, Joe, which is, I think like many others um, who have struggled maybe with many things in their life, I have always strived for the end goal without thinking about the milestones or the steps 
to get there. Uh, and one thing I said to you before we started, Joe, is it's like, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to train and run a couple of marathons. And, you know, when you start training for a marathon, you go, that's 26 miles. That's a really long distance to run. It's almost impossible. And you sort of want to give up. And that's why people say the first step is the hardest. But actually, when you start break, when you do it and you break it down mile by mile, it becomes so much more easier to digest and understand. And I think my problem with recording is not through a lack of wanting to be able to record. It's thinking about the finished article and then working back. So when I start that first, you know, uh, spark of an idea or whatever, you record it and you go, it doesn't sound anything like the finished track that I want to have in the end <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and so I've sort of just given up because I'm like, it's not finished. But I think because I've never really understood the process, like step by step, um, it's not, I've not been able to like build or layer it. Mm. And a few things I've come close to, obviously, understanding looper products and, you know, using loop stations and stuff have been a great way to build ideas, but they feel so much more like in the moment. Um, and then also using things like Aspire, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. And using that has been quite helpful for laying down ideas as like a sketch pad. Um, but then again, it's still, you get to a point where I'm like, oh, that, what, you know, I don't know how to program drums and the yeah. drum beat I've programmed is just four on the floor and it sounds really boring. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going all the way back to when I went to BIM and music college, you know, I remember walking into GAC before I worked there. It's like, I need to record at home. They're like, here's a crappy interface and a Shure SM57. I still own the Shure SM57. That's <laughs> about 18 years old now. Um, and again, you know, I, I messed around recording a couple of people in my house share at the time. But again, I was still thinking about, I'm going to record an album and it's going to sound just like this. And then yeah. sort of not, you know, trying to reverse engineer everything. And then it sort of just never worked like that. And and recently the last recording I did, which was, uh, you know, sort of pre-COVID, so pr probably towards the end of 2019, um, my friend has a, a, a full studio um, in North London and we were sort of just messing around some ideas and he's used to recording, you know, movies and films. Right. And uh, he's much more about the process. And I think that's maybe the part of a good producer is someone that like spurs you to try different ideas and different things, but knows how to like compile it all as well. Yeah. So I think there's a few different skills, but yeah, I've, I'm guess I'm a bit of a, a non-starter. I've always sort of, sparked the flint but never got the <laughs> never got the fire going and um i'm sure if i learned and as we discuss these parts and i've been thinking about it i'm sure once i understand it and i think there's i heard some people talking about you know red light syndromes like you're never happy with oh, what yeah. you've recorded I, I you know so you've laid down a part and i'm like is that is that what i want to commit to tape for the rest of my life yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so um and and I think as well, one thing you said just to, to kind of finish all of this is that it's just got, it seems to have gotten easier. You know, I've, I'm lucky enough to know guys like Rabir, Massage, you know, and you go to Rabir's and his home studio is just set up all the time and he's just like loads up, you know, logic and then like hits a blank project that's already like preset and everything he wants. And he's like, here's a great guitar sound. And I'm like, cool and it's just like right let's go I, and, and i'm i think we're going to talk about it in a few episodes time but just drums i'm just like that i mean that's been a big problem as well as having someone to play against do you know what i mean so yeah uh, yeah, yeah I, I, and i i came to last year beginning of last year we set some personal development goals through work and one of them was understand the home recording guitar player you know, what do they use? What makes them tick? You know, what's the kind of projects? And then try and record a track and document that process. And obviously sort of COVID and pandemic made that a little bit difficult. And then you suggested this podcast and it's sort of gone, well, hold on, what, you know, we can do it together. Because yeah. you're quite experienced at doing stuff at home, like the intro to the podcast and obviously the, the latest polymath thing that you're doing is all all home recorded. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's for for me, it's it's something that I've kind of always dabbled in. I think when we first went into our lockdown, our first lockdown back in March 2020, that was just before, uh, literally, the lockdown happened the Monday after the weekend when we were supposed to go into the studio as Polymath to start recording. Now, we actually, uh, of our own volition, sort of, because the, you know, listener, obviously, you know, most of our listeners aren't in the UK, but for, so for listeners that aren't UK based, our government were quite late to issue the first lockdown. Most people were already isolating um, by that point. And so we decided it, it was probably best not to go that weekend. But then on the Monday, we went into lockdown and we were kind of faced with this reality that this month of studio time that we'd booked wasn't going to happen and we weren't going to have a record out. And as people became more and more aware of the pandemic and what it meant, we realised it meant no record this year and we didn't want that to happen. It was, you know, lockdowns have been so crushing emotionally for so many people and certainly, you know, one of my favourite things to do in the world is making music with the the guys in Polymath. I didn't want to lose that. And so I turned what was a fascination and something that I was okay at, pretty, you know, pretty good at. I can get something rough down. Um, I decided to to really focus my time, energy and and money on it to make sure that I had a professional setup. Now, you know, it, it, again, listener, this podcast is going to show you how to do things with very little expense because I think that's how everyone should get into things and certainly I actually um before I even made the polymath record when we we're in our first record I uh, first record our first lockdown um I released a uh like a a record a, you know just an online streaming record with my girlfriend Emma under the name slow um slo and uh we we did that using entirely free software because one of the things that happened with the first lockdown was companies a lot of plugin companies and software companies started making versions of their plugins available for free to sort of stem musicians boredom and also the fact that a lot of musicians were losing their jobs so it was kind of something to do and so that that was the whole backbone of that uh, of that record is that we made it with completely free software and actually Cherry Cherry Audio, who are a plugin company, we used the, I used their modular synth, which they made free for a for a time for the bulk of the synthesizers on that, and they picked up on the release because of the fact that we'd made it deliberately with only free software, and they sort of oh, promoted wicked. it as a, as I kind think, of an example uh, of what you can do. I think what is a, a you know quite inspiring about that is. <clears throat> Being able to record good enough at home, guitars, programs, and drums, just being able to like lay down ideas, like so much of what I do is just lost well, to the ether. That and and that that actually brings me to another point, like exactly what you said about Rabia. In the same sense that you know, you know, you have your your music man, you have your amp set up, and you have your pedal boards, and you know what you like and what you don't like, and you have your tones there. It is the same thing with recording. It's the same thing about building within a door your preferences so that there's not this massive slow setup time. It's not like every time you want to play guitar, you've got to get a couple of pedals out and some patch cables and some power mm. and mm. and plug it in. That would make you play less. And you know what you say about your ideas get lost in the ether, as would they if you didn't have a recording setup that wasn't you know fully tailored towards you. That's that. That is kind of half of what it is. Making sure you have easy access to create simple demos. Um, yeah, and I think um, we'll, we'll we'll touch on it shortly. But I think that's where plugins. I need to get over my fear of plugins because you know that doesn't necessarily need to be the the final result. And you know you can certainly amp stuff at stuff at home. But yeah, watching a lot of people live stream as well, and the quality of the live stream for the last 12 months you know I've, I've talked about in the main podcast being a massive fan of uh, Andy uh, Othering and like all of his um, live ambient live streams and like the audio quality he's capturing from that you know that's his ambient pedal board going into I think a Strymon Iridium right, you know yeah. and, that, and that sort of great sound there and, and going into a door so I know it can be done I think we just need to talk about how we do it yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I guess that is kind of the the first thing we should talk about the checklist of of things 
that you need because of course a, a, another thing that i think is probably a hindrance is it's a bit less glamorous maybe and at f- certainly at first look i think mm. once you get into it it's not but it's less glamorous than buying you know whatever a sparkle pink custom telecaster and a you know a mauve boss dm2w and you know some fancy yeah, tweed I, amp you know I'm, these i was gonna say and i guess um you have to understand that maybe the sound that you're hearing through a complex setup is not necessarily the exact same sound maybe you hear through your monitors because there's so much other stuff going on. I mean, you can obviously capture the feel and the essence, but yeah, there's something different about hearing stuff through monitors and hearing it through an amp, and that's always a problem that I've I've had as as well. So it's I think about you, maybe you- capturing the amp sound, but also sounds through monitors or headphones well this i think is where plugins come into their own in that you're absolutely right if you are miking up a um an amplifier in your bedroom with an sm57 the captured sound onto the door is going to be totally different to the sound you are hearing in your room because mm. you're getting none of that room you you know the, the the mic setup is very simple and you know then when you hear it out of monitors it's going to be a completely different kettle of yeah. fish this is where yeah. plugins come into their own they are designed they're thinking about those amp sims are thinking about being fired through a set of flat response studio monitors mm. so they very much are geared around that and tonally you know the flat palette on a on an amp sim is is designed to be fired through that so you tend to get a much better result very quickly from a from a plugin yeah and i and i guess that's why people say that you know and in fact i think it's rabia that said this to me he's just like you know nothing beats the sound of a cranked amplifier but that's so difficult to like capture at home Hmm. you know kemper is like a great recorded guitar sound yeah so you plug into a kemper you hear through monitors it's like a great recorded guitar sound um and and you're totally right and i think that's the you know you talking about it's sort of helping me get over that first hurdle it's like a single sm57 in the middle of a cone on one speaker when i'm running my pedal board in stereo you know unless i've got four mics here uh, you know it's never gonna feel the same so i think you know we definitely will talk about and consider plugins in that and just getting used to that as a a basis you know because yeah. i guess a lot of people maybe may like yourself you know demos and recording stuff at home you know or you know again using some of the youtubers out there like rabia recording stuff they're doing so much through plugins but if yeah. they're going to go out and play it live they're going to use amps yeah absolutely you know? so i think it's having that that flexibility as well but I, you know, for me i guess the first place to start is really the the DAW, you know, yeah. the the audio workstation that we're going to use. I've I've been through a few, um, you know, and I tried Ableton for a while. That was the one that everyone was raving about. And there's a few people like Rachel K. Collier and Paul Davids and Mary Spender that are using Ableton hmm. quite a lot because of that clip-based view. But yeah. it, it's always felt a bit more confusing to me. Ableton's the one that is different from a lot of the others. I do mm. think there's um, potentially less of a learning curve with Ableton. I think it's easy to get your head around. Um, I think it is very good. I think the reason Ableton got so popular is it was one of the first ones to really do the whole, here's a free version of our software package. Mm. Um, at a time when I think most people were you know, putting a, a price on all of their entry-level stuff, I think most people will do a free version now. Most most yeah. DAWs have a, a free version. But when Ableton first came out, I, I honestly think that's why it became so popular so quickly because I, cert- I don't think it's better than a lot of the others. Mm. Um, just it's good for live use. It's, it's, it was designed as a, a DJ's... Yeah. Sandbox. Yeah, because it's all like clips and scenes and yeah. and, and a few of our Roland products that I'm using do similar. So I I guess that kind of, you know, as someone who owns a an older MacBook, I guess, you know, Garage Band was a was a thing at first. But I tried Garage Band and again, I think maybe because I didn't know what I was doing, and I know Mark was talking about this on a, a previous episode, I think, that it gave him everything. It just felt very basic. Um so, you know, I sort of went down the route of, you know, looking at logic, but you sort of open it up and you're like, I can hit the record button, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it goes a bit, a bit, a bit deeper. So, I mean, like, yeah. what, what do you use and what do you, what did you look for when you, you picked a DAW? So, I mean, the, there are, there are lots of others that you listener could 
could consider everything from uh, you know logic the the apple uh, software which is which is very very good um, pro tools which is probably the the most the most expensive and certainly the one that's still locked into using proprietary interfaces and things like that cubase is also very good in fact cubase um, did a fantastic range of interfaces recently that that come with like um a Neve channel essentially built in, um, even to the basic interfaces. So very, very good there. But but we we will talk about the one that obviously I have raved about on the main podcast, which is Personas's Studio One, uh, which I I like very much. Um, and the thing, the reason that Studio One is so good, dear listener, and the, the reason I think you should give it a bash is because there is a, a free version um, of Studio One that already gives you so much. It, it, Studio One actually comes in kind of four tiers. So you have a, a free entry-level one. Then you have the, um, y- you know, a, a standard one, essentially, which opens up some of the features that you would really need, maybe, that the free one doesn't include. Then you have your professional uh, version. And then you have what they call Sphere, which is what I use. Sphere, uh, rather than paying a, a lump sum, you know, because you've got the free version, that's free. Maybe you're paying 80 quid, I guess, for the next one up. And then it's something like 350 quid for the one after that. Sphere, instead of having a lump sum, is just a monthly subscription of like 11 quid or something like that. And with that, you get everything. So you get every um, every plugin and every add-on that they ever release will be added to your login as well. So if you use a lot of things it's incredible value for money because you're you, you know as long as you're using the new plugins that they're they're uploading you're essentially always getting more than your money's worth um where you do yeah, it any cool. other way yeah which is rather good one of the other good things is you can also make your own hybrid version um uh, for example, the entry level and the medium level version of Studio One don't allow you to use third party plugins. You can only use Personas' official plugins. Um, but you can get an add on that allows you to use third party plugins uh, with Studio One, mm-hmm. which which is great. So, you know, just with the addition of this, um, you, you know, with an, with an extra download from Studio One, you then open up that that option. And there are other things you can do as well to, um, you know, to, to modify Studio One to kind of your own hybrid version, which I think is, is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I, I guess there's one question, you know, and you answered a couple there, but with so many out there and obviously all of them have to do the same basic thing. Yeah. What, what, what is really the reason someone would pick one over, over another? So because obviously me, you've got things like Luna as well. People are talking about Luna, mm-hmm. which is obviously the one from from UA, which I've seen a few. And people, I've, and I think a lot of people are going towards that because of UA's plugins, and there's a lot of yeah. UA plugins built into that. As, yeah, yeah, as well. For for me, um, MIDI program was programming was always going to be something I wanted to get involved in. I'm a terrible keys player. Um, but I, of course, want to record in keys parts, so it's much easier for me to program those keys parts via MIDI than it is for me to play them in with a mm. with a MIDI keyboard. Yeah, Same I with drum that. parts. I love building drum parts. I don't have an electric kit here to, to assign the samples to, and, you know, it is much easier, especially when you can obviously quantize everything and there are, uh, you know, ev- everything else. You, it makes it... Uh, you know, it's it's much better to be using the MIDI software for drums. Mm. And Studio One has especially good, an especially good, easy to use MIDI interface, which gives you a quick and easy access, not only to being able to program in, you know, for example, your beats, but then being able to edit them very, very real time. As in, you want to make a drum sound organic, you know, you need to put some variance in those snare hits and it makes it... It, it makes it easy to control um, the uh, uh, I'm forgetting the proper word for it. The velocity. The, the, the velocity. The, Thank um, you. It, it's similar to uh, and slight side note, but obviously, if you listen to someone like Jay Diller, who was like massive in the hip hop scene with the MPC, that he did something like uh, I don't know whether he specifically said it, or whether someone else. It's a phrase that's come out of it, but you know, humanizing the drum machine. So actually, what you tend to do is you know you see people finger drumming on a 
pad, they're actually four pads of the same snare. They're just four different velocities. So you actually, you know, again, you're bringing that that sort of human feel because a, yeah. a robotic drum kit will repeat the same whatever you tell it to. You know, yeah. you need to put in ghost notes and feel and. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rhythm and all that sort of stuff, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And another reason that I think Studio One is good is because the the basic set of drum kits and especially synths that come mm-hmm. with it are very good. Basic guitar amp plugins are, are fine, um, but the the synths and drum kits that come with it are very good, as are the access to kind of studio effects that you can use. Things like room reverb, where you can uh, you can select the size of your room, move your person around in it, and move the capture point around in it on a little 3D map. That comes with the free version of the software, which is very good. Um, nice. So kind of things like that, I think effects and features are very good and just just very easy to use. Um, well, it's, it sounds like that, you, you know, especially for the purposes of doing this, it might be worth me going for the the same the same one, you know, mm. obviously. So you can you can help me a bit along on that. So I guess you know from from there, it's you know instrument or whatever. Because I've got a MIDI keyboard, and we'll we'll leave MIDI keyboard for the time being. Again, one of those things. It's like always want to play keys parts, and then you like C major, and I'm like oh, I don't know anything else. <laughs> um, but an interface. Now I've had an interface for quite some time, and again, I probably bought it because I was going to do some home recording, and I never really properly used it. But it's the way I've always plugged my Mac into monitors rather than just using the headphones out and a crappy pair of. 20 pound speakers that you get from curries um you know what what do you use and and why did you know i guess what makes a good interface i'm 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 assuming preamps is probably one of them but i mean what do you use at home so the the good thing is with interfaces is there are a, a bajillion options for it you know for example if you ever if you ever purchased for £99 the Omec Teleport, that orange pedal that ah, you can yes. do anything with, yep. you can actually use that as a single-channel interface. Um, believe it or not, the, my, the polymath record, my guitarist Tim, who didn't have... Um, when he wanted to record his guitar parts in, I, I got him set up with Studio One, but he didn't have an interface. He just had an old PC that actually we'd lent him. It used to be our PC that we used for programming lights when Polymath toured. So it was just some old PC. He had that, no interface, and a set of headphones. He used his Katana because you can right, okay. you can go straight USB in, and that's what he, he used the headphone out on the Katana to hear everything back, and he played everything direct in via the usb from the katana so um and considering you know the software obviously using the katana tone suite to access all the effects Mm -hmm. essentially with a free daw and a 200 pound amplifier (laughs) you know he he was able to create an, an incredible sounding record using just the tones that were available from there so there are loads of ways around an interface i use focus rights i think they're really good i think that mm-hmm. the um the neve style preamps that they have uh built in 
their new Air feature for the Air Studio style preamp is very, very good. I just use the 2i2, which is actually the most popular interface in the world. Um, and it's very inf- affordable. And actually, they do a pack that comes with a mic and a good set of headphones, which is important to have mm-hmm. a decent set of flat response headphones. I um, guess um, just quickly as a uh, to add on to that, I mean, I, I know, but for anyone listening, Neve is a preamp, a really famous preamp or console maker. Their yeah. preamps are sort of really legendary known as fantastic ways to you know plug a guitar straight into a desk or ideally obviously a microphone yeah. using that microphone preamp into a desk and they've been sort of digit just like you get digital modeling amps for guitar it's it's digital modeling of well actually i don't even think it is digital modeling it's, it's proper analog preamps isn't it into into an interface yeah i think right. it might vary but yeah yeah, the, the I mean the two i two is 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 digital, but you know I I also happen to have a Focusrite ISA one, which is literally the old um, analog circuit taken off of a, a desk and put into a standalone right. unit. So it's a single channel off of a Neve mm-hmm. desk. So, so um, but that that you know that is obstructively expensive. You're fine with a two i two, and if I'm honest, I plug the Focusrite ISA one in for vocals only. Uh, you know. Because right. I think it's important for vocals to go through, to to be as clear, as crisp, as high quality, you know, as as possible. So it's important for that. But for the sake of guitars, instruments, everything else, I'm using a you know a ninety nine pound interface. Yeah, and, <laughs> so, and I and I guess the 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 importance or the need for an interface um, is that it is to be able to plug your instrument or a microphone into your computer so the sound's going from usb into your computer basically that's yes. and then the preamps are the benefit of that because i mean i use an old roland quad capture which isn't made anymore i think we make something called a rubik's now but i guess for people like me two inputs is probably enough i would have thought so i you mean know, that's, that's actually all i use yeah com uh, which has got combi jack so it takes a jack input or it takes an xlr i mean i actually maybe this is overcomplicating things somewhat but i actually run uh, a small behringer desk which has got some mic inputs with some british uh style uh preamps and then go stereo out of that into the interface so i've got a bit more yeah. only because I, I you know i've got drum machines and, and stuff as well but um i guess really yeah, interfaces now especially with plugins and you know, like you say, the quality of things like Focusrite and stuff. Yeah. If you're beginning like me, you don't need to spend more than a, a hundred quid. Well, no, I mean they also do the um, the Scarlet Solo. Focusrite do the Scarlet Solo, which is a mm-hmm. single input. And if we're talking about, as we are on this podcast, about capturing guitar tone and then doing everything else pretty much in the box, then you know a Scarlet Solo will will do the job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think everyone would dream of having. I mean, my friend, my friend again, works at studio. I think he's got like an Apollo Captor X or whatever, which is, I think again, they're actually really only basic on the input. I think it's just the quality of the preamps, but then you get like 10 terabytes of, you know, ridiculous plugins yeah, um, and, and all that stuff as well. But I think for, for most people, uh, myself included, you know, it, it's just about what's the easiest and quickest way to, in some ways, have it permanently set up to your computer. So you're just like, right, I'm always set up and, and ready to go. And and like you said earlier, it's having that rather than going like, I've got to dig out the mixer and the interface and what USB cable do I need? And I've yeah. got to install the driver. It's sort of like you want to have that sort of set up all the time, really. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, kind of continuing this journey, I think um, – uh, headphones, monitors, these are important things. Of course, we're now getting onto things that can really cost an awful lot. Like we've got a free DAW. Maybe maybe you've spent 100 quid on an, an interface. But, you know, if you've got a Katana, <laughs> you yeah, can do yeah, it yeah. with that. Like, you know, I, they're, I they're, mean, not, you know, not just a Katana, but I mean, so much that anything pretty much with a USB output that... Yeah, with a jack in and a USB out. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're good to go. For anyone who might have a katana or, or similar listener, I mean, the great thing about that is that, yeah, it has audio loopback. So, you know, it feeds the USB signals both ways. Um, and that, that's the important thing, isn't it? Is that it will send audio, but it will send it back so you can yeah. monitor it and reamp it as well. I mean, it's just a whole different other thing. But 
That's it, yeah. Well, reamping is something that would be very important. Kind of a real cornerstone for me. My my whole thing is like um is deal with the sound afterwards. I try and yeah. get stuff down um and be happy with my playing, be happy with the physical thing that I can control going in. And then making everything sound great is the thing I do afterwards. I'm not yeah. suggesting that's the the best route. I just find that no, I, I, I would find it too stressful to spend all my time trying to create the perfect sound and then trying to play it in perfectly. I think that's and that I think that's where I've always fallen. Again, is you know I, I've worried that I've got to have a complete five minute song in my head and then I've got to try and play it in. Hmm. And it's sort of you don't have to, you know like I really want to be able to record as a sketchbook so that if I've got a bunch of ideas, you know, later down the line, I'm like go and record that in a studio somewhat inspired by um a friend of mine who went to um i think it's dartington like musical college i don't think it's there anymore hmm. um but he had a uh, a person that was in his class um who was a bit older and was like all i my goal is i've come to this i've i've given up my career i've come to music college my goal is i just want to record a great album write all the tracks spent ages you know pre-producting the whole thing and then just went right you know, 15 grand, I'm going to record it all at sawmills, you know, and, and already had all the tracks and everything down. And uh, that's kind of what I want from this. I want to be able to write a bunch of stuff and form a band and go, I've already, you know, come away from a rehearsal and go, right, I'm, I'm going to lay that down rather than, like you say, capture all these great sounds in the room and then be like, I can't put that to, I can't commit that to tape or, you know, even worse, and just constantly going, oh, it's not a complete song, so I can't, I can't finish it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, this is so we've spoken about on the main podcast that I've been doing some, uh, I've been doing some stuff with Ashdown. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm helping them out with their, with all their social media at the moment. Um, but Ashdown had have recently created a launched at NAM 2021 um, a a a preamp for uh, their CTM uh, right. like 30-watt valve head, which I love. Now, I have a, a, a little stubby, their CTM 30, their 30-watt head, the full thing. Um, I accidentally like took the... I'd, I'd plugged in a different head, I'd forgot, and I turned on the head. It's a valve head, you know, so I oh, turned it on without... And, and of course, it, it did it in, and I was like, oh, I, I really wanted to... I really wanted to that that sound for something I was working on actually outside of the polymath record. I was doing some bass for a friend. I really did want that sound, and I spoke to Dan at Ashdown, and because of the nature of recording and the fact that he's as able to do it as I am, um, I recorded my bass parts direct into an interface, sent them to him, and he reamped them back out through a CTM preamp at his end, and then sent sent the files back to me. Wow. So you know the the options oh, <laughs> for being crazy. able to reamp and recreate everything you've done at any point is really that's that's what I love about recording. I love the fact that it doesn't ever have to be finished if you don't want it to be. Yeah, you know you can yeah. constantly keep chipping away at something, and I I like that slow um, progress that yeah. you can make with a track. And um I guess quickly, just before we move on, you, you touched on speakers and, and headphones. We should mm. talk about some alternatives um, to interfaces or recording. And I mentioned Spire yeah. earlier, and which has been, you know, again, I, I will admit 2020 was not a fantastic musical journey for me, as, as with many musicians. And I've watched various live streams, people just saying, you know, just like an artist, you know, we are artists, you know, inspired by things that are happening around you and sure... COVID and the pandemic, I'm sure, are going to create some fantastic songs out there at some point. Um, you know, looking at the same four walls is not exactly creatively inspiring. So I've definitely <laughs> not dragged the spire out as much as I would have liked. But when I had it uh, after NAM last year, um, you know, uh, early on, I was like, this thing's great as, as a sketch pad, you know. And yeah. You can definitely create some amazing full-on songs. I remember Toman year before last and there were some people demoing it there um and i guess you can sort of use that as an interface in some ways but it's more of like a studio in a box isn't it it's a sketch pad that said i think it works well as 
a tool that you would use to create something. So because you can, um, because it has its own very basic door that works with your phone or iPad, um, and you can, it obviously has effects you can apply, but crucially, the thing you will need <laughs> if you're going to apply it to something else is um, is actually having a, a, a tempo on there, being able to being able to set a, a, a metronome uh, to to play to on there, so that you can then drop it into a um, you can drop it into your door and and still be able to use it in another way. The fact that you can plug an electric guitar in directly is very very useful. Um, means that you can then export the files afterwards and put them on a, a full DAW if you if you need to. Like it's something we used in the Polymath record is I wanted to create this binaural um, part of the record um, where some piano playing moved across the room, and uh, I had my my girlfriend Emma play piano whilst I carried the spire across, and because it was it's a you know, a, a completely stereo mic. It, it had exactly the effect I wanted. And the reverb on the Spire is, you know, it's a sketch pad, but that reverb is really good. Really, really good. They didn't need to make it as good as it is, but it's um, it's fantastic. <laughs> I kind of feel that Spire comes alive when you, if you want to sing and play an acoustic guitar, apply a touch of the internal Spire reverb to it, it, it it would just sound like the the best haunting yeah. thing you can possibly do. I've recorded stuff on the Spire, sent it to the other Polymath guys, and they've been like, you know, this sounds this sounds great. Should we you going to drop this on? I'm like, no, this is just the idea. This <laughs> this is yeah. Just I think um, I, I was I was the same. You know, just grabbing an acoustic and just turning it on and then just playing. It was like, oh, you know, this is great for capturing those moments of you know, oh, I've sort of written a song almost, you know, and being able to, to, to lay them down. Um, it's a fantastic product. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good, um, yeah, sketch pad, you know. I, you yeah. used that term earlier, but the Spire really is a, a very good version of that. So um, just moving on then, so we've got, you know, the door and the interface. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where do you sit with speakers versus headphones? I mean, I, I've got, tricky. I mean, I... I had some, in 2019, I had some KRKs, which I'd had for ages, and then one uh, died. So I went without monitors for ages, and I was doing everything through headphones, so headphones plugged into the quad capture. And then I bought some Eris E3s. I think they were like 90 quid from uh, a music retailer in the UK, which mm. okay for just listening to music or watching YouTube or whatever. Um, but a lot of the times I found myself more lost doing things through headphones because it cuts everything else out around. I feel a little bit more focused um, using some Roland RH 300, but have you got any sort of preference? I feel like I should have some really nice boomy monitors. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, it depends on your situation because if you're doing this because, you know, you're at home and you can't make noise, then headphones are definitely a better option than monitors. The other thing is once you've got monitors, you need to make sure you can locate your monitors correctly. And depending on how far you want to go down this line and take a very on, I'm not incredibly fussy, but, you, you know, if you're going to want to get to the point of self-mastering, you do need to think about soundproofing because you've got to make sure you're hearing things flat. So for that, in that sense, headphones are a better option because there are less variables to consider with them. You can buy a good set of headphones and then, you know, with a bit of software in order to make sure you've got kind of a, a flat response for your particular hearing, um, they can be very good. That said, I'm terrible on headphones. I can't mix a thing on headphones. Um, right. So I, I I use monitors because I I kind of need to hear the content. I need the that ambient noise. I guess it just feels like I'm better at doing it when I've got that there. I I actually use Yamaha. I, I've I have the Yamaha HX fives, which are you know affordable small five inch monitors and then i use um 
I use NS10s, Yamaha NS10s, which are the oh, notoriously the classics because yeah. they have no low end. So the deal is if you can make your mix sound good on NS10s, your mix will sound good anywhere. Um, this is overkill, listener. If you're starting, you don't need four monitors like I have. Um, you don't even need the HS5. Well, I guess you need uh, an interface that would allow you to have that many outputs as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I actually the you don't on the Scarlett two i two I have a little box that the two i two comes out of and then I can select my um, I can select which monitors off of off of that. Oh, very nice. Um, yes, um, I, I, I think you know you know for me headphones. I think if you've got a decent a decent pair of headphones, and again, I don't think you need to spend mega bucks. I mean, these RH three hundreds. I've had them, you know. Pre-Roland days, oh. Roland RX300s, I think they were like, they're not very much at all. Um, mm. But they've, you know, they've got a good sort of all-round sound. But yeah. the, monitor, the KRK monitors have been pretty good for me. I think the Rockets. Yeah, they were kind RP5, of the most popular one. I, I, I don't know anything about KRK really. Um, but yeah, they seem to be a really popular one. I, I think they're probably fine. I do think at this point you need something that's going to give you a, a rough flat response. So I don't think you need to worry too much about this side of things. I know this almost seems like the bit that you should worry about because this is how you're going to hear what you're doing. But I do think that if you're trying to get into it, the problem is this part really is very um, very expensive if you want it to be. And it's prohibitive as well, because if you want the really good stuff, it's really expensive. So I think at this point, you get what you can. I actually think Bare Dynamic DT770s, their headphones, they're like a, between 100 and 130 quid. Um, they're yeah. very, very good. You know, they're, they're a perfectly good kind of closed back um, mixing. I think... Um- I think for anyone who's been in a in a proper studio and you've heard a mix through a pair of um, monitors that cost a hundred thousand pounds per speaker, yeah, <laughs> you know you're never going to get that. I mean, I went into the mastering room at Air, uh, which is like crazy simple, you know, because there's not much you have to when you know when they're mastering it's, you know, there's little in terms of equipment. It's just real solid technique. And uh, and what you do with it, and I think the monitors in there are like a million pounds worth or something ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can strive for that, and if you can afford it, congratulations. But I think, like you say, just something that's decent and flat result, uh, flat response. Um, you know, do a little bit of research out there, and and again, what works best for you? I mean, I hate, I hate's a strong word, but we've said it. I've said it on the podcast before. You know, I don't like hearing a guitar sound through monitors because I miss the feel of a guitar speaker. But hearing it on headphones, I almost feel like I'm hearing the recorded sound. So it feels a bit more, I feel right. a bit more vibe with headphones in, yeah. in some ways. I guess, again, going back to feeling a bit more lost in the sound than than uh, the monitors. So I guess it's personal preference. It's personal well. preference. It's down to, like I say, the situation as well as what you want if you don't think you can have monitors because of sound again like you know i prefer monitors just for the ambient noise but if you can if you can stretch to 100 pounds for a set of headphones i think at that price point biodynamic is is as far as the things i've been able to come into contact with i haven't you know got to try out many Roland headphones so i just don't know <laughs> but you know for 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 pound for pound i think at the 100 pound level biodynamic makes some very good options um but you know like i say those things we can be simple with at this point in time um yeah but i think yeah. i think that is that's kind of like that's the basic setup now i want to we want to talk about we we now need to talk about kind of what what we play through like amplifiers what amps are good for recording amp alternatives you know digital amplifiers things like gt1000s helixes we've obviously mentioned the katana also works in in that sense of things and of course plugins but i think we are we're going to talk about all those options on next week's episode mm-hmm. um, when we're we're going more in depth. So, listener, you will have heard on this episode uh, that this series is sponsored by Neural DSP Plugins, and they are teaming up with us to to give you thirty percent off of any of their plugins with the discount code Guitar Nerds. The other great advantage of Neural DSP is, you know, if um, 
if you want to try any of their plugins or they're free for like two weeks with you know you don't need to provide a credit card so it's not one of those things where you need to call to cancel after um so you can always give them a bash and they do a really good range of apps we're going to be talking about those next week along with all the other options so i think um just to sum up i think this one was you know for anyone who wants to follow in the journey and i'm sure most people have probably got who are listening to this have probably got that kit at home but you know a, a laptop uh an interface and a pair of headphones or some monitors it's kind of all you need you know and i'm sure most people listen to this and fans of guitar nerds are guitar players so it's about that guitar journey and i think what's going to be interesting between now and next week is yeah i'm going to get a copy of uh, neural dsp um and try some of their plugins and report back on my experiences and then yeah we'll talk about a bit about digital modeling amps and i'll bring some of that katana um idea and gt1000 i've got one of those here as well so doing that but also we should probably talk a bit about miking up guitar amps and that sound in sound in the room in some ways as well yeah yeah exactly and for next week's episode we're also going to have um you're going to give us an example as well of something that you'll have recorded in which we're going to try and use we're going to try and turn into something see how we how we get on with that yeah you're going to try and uh send me some sort of backing track that's not in 15 12 or some sort of crazy <laughs> polymath uh style backing track but something i can maybe do two mm-hmm. two or three parts over yeah um and uh hopefully they'll hear some at the beginning <laughs> yeah we'll see it's, it's it's a scary hurdle again you know that red that red light syndrome that that sort of committing yourself to to tape but i think what i'm what i'm looking forward to is is almost taking that session approach you know you've got the friend who can record a couple of the parts and you've got to put your guitar part down and i'm not again not worrying about that end goal i'm not worrying about oh no I've, I, you know i've got what sort of drums do i want or anything like that sort of no here's your chance to do what you're good at in some ways so uh yeah it's gonna be good exactly Exactly. So, uh, so yes, you can, uh, you can, of course, dear listener, join us over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, uh, where there'll be an entire extra episode of the regular podcast every week. We'll be back next week on Wednesday with our normal episode. Um, and, uh, and yes, uh, you find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the guitar nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion thanks very much for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell bye bye